What's up, everyone, and welcome to Through the Veil. I'm your host, Alex Nelson, and on today's episode, we have my friend Lance Essios of University of Adversity, which is another badass podcast you should go check out if you don't already have it subscribed. This episode is super packed with really, really relatable, at least for me, and really actionable pieces of advice. Lance's story is super interesting in how he went through a dark period of alcoholism and really, really being on a downward spiral, and he turned that around into a beautifully successful business where he now interviews amazing people from all over the world in all sorts of different fields. So I really think you'll enjoy this one. If you do, please give it a share out on Instagram, tag me, tag Lance in it and let us know what you think about it. And of course, if you find this episode useful, a five-star rating on iTunes always helps grow the podcast, as well as writing a review. And last thing, I have a new website that is officially finished and launched with all sorts of cool stuff on there. So if you feel called to dig a little deeper and learn some more, I've got courses, free guided meditations, as well as some other coaching opportunities. You can find me at throughtheveil.co is the website. So again, that's throughtheveil.co for all the goodies, and that'll be in the details of the episode description as well. Without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the episode. All right, Lance, welcome to the podcast. If you can... Go ahead and just give yourself a little introduction and let everyone know who you are, what you do, and where you came from. Oh, awesome, man. I appreciate you uh, having me on. It's, uh, it's a crazy time right now, and just to have these conversations and get them out there is just super powerful. You never know who's listening out there, right? So, um, yeah, man, about myself, I guess, depending on how deep we want to go, um, I grew up. I grew up in a place called Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. It's very cold. There's not a lot happening there. It's kind of an oil city. Um, I was a hockey player growing up. Um, and you know, you're in Minnesota, right? So I actually had a tournament there when I was a kid. Mm. But uh, yeah, so I grew up in, in, a, in a family that didn't have a lot of money. They worked hard, you know, but my, my parents kind of put me through hockey and that was my life and that was my identity. And I did everything I, in my life to go with that identity. Um, and as I grew up, things were good. I had a really good loving family. Um, things were really good until I was about 11 when my, my parents split up when I was nine, when I was 11, we moved across the country to, um, Victoria, which is on Vancouver Island, which for a kid is a pretty long distance, 12 hour drive. So we moved out there and things were really challenging because I had, such a close family that gave me so much love. And I, to this day, realize that the reason I have so much love in my heart is because of that. And for a long time, I played a victim, but then I realized that that part of my life was perfect. And even though my parents fought, I, that was so important to have that love. And a lot of people struggle from that zero to 10. They get, there's a ton of bad shit that happens Yeah, and they hold on for a long time. And, for me, I had a lot of emotional stuff, anxiety. My parents fought, but they, I had love. Anyway, so when we moved away, we moved across the country, and things were very difficult. I didn't get to see my family as much. 
And my dad ended up meeting this woman. So this is like your typical out of the movies um, stepmother from hell. <laughs> so she, he met her and I had all the red, I had, I'm very intuitive and I had all the red flags. She was overly aggressive. She was overly friendly. There was, it was very weird. Mm. And she had four kids. So I went from, you know, you know, me and my dad to all of a sudden mm. this woman with four kids and one of her kids was a good friend of mine. So it made it very awkward. Mm. So that didn't go well with her. I butted heads with her a lot and we all moved in. We had this like really weird dynamic of a family and it was really fucked, man, to be honest. There was so much, there was so much crazy shit that went on in that, that really as a teenager, the last thing you need is that instability, that, that real, like you, you need somewhere to go that you can feel as home. And I didn't have that. I always felt uneasy and I always felt, you know, I was missing my family that I got to see a lot to, to nothing at all. Like once or twice a, or once a year, if I was lucky and it was really emotionally draining. So I hear I was trying to make it in hockey. I was dealing with this shit and you know, my dad had a son out of it. So we had this really weird dynamic and they ended up splitting up and that really, she made my dad's life a living hell for probably the next 20 years. And I'll get into mm. the part later, but she, so that was, she always wanted to make it a point to make our lives hell. And she did. So she caused a lot of stress on my family. So for me to stay in that city, I just couldn't do it. So I moved to Vancouver when I was in my early twenties because I just had to get away from the madness. Mm. And, um, during, so in between that time, I was still playing hockey. I was still trying to make it pro. And I ended up, um, when I was 20, I finished off my junior career. I, I made a big mistake and I did a big cycle of steroids, which really messed up my career. So mm. I went into training camp my last year and, Basically, they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why can't you skate? Like, what, what's wrong with your head? You're like, just fucking jacked to the gills. I was jacked, like, what's up? <laughs> I was like 195, and then I was 220 at training camp. I was just a beast. People laughed back then because I was like all tanned and jacked. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that pretty much ruined my career. So I, but during that time, I was just struggling, you know, drinking, you know, trying to deal with this home life, doing all that. And, you know, the hockey career ended. So in that period, I was trying to figure out who the next person was. And, you know, we all, we have these identities, right? Where we put ourselves in these boxes and we do all the things that align with that. And we call ourselves that thing, right? You know, those personas and that's who I was. So I didn't know who I was going to be. And when I was 20, 21, I tried a bunch of different things. You know, I tried to become a firefighter, a cop. I tried to become an electrician, everything. I've tried it all. And then I, I discovered the bar industry, you know, once I moved to Vancouver, you know, when I was about 22, 23, I fell into this industry that allowed me to, to connect with people, have this toxic lifestyle, meet girls. Like I was living the life. I was loving it. Cause I was like, how the fuck I can make money doing this. And I just being me, like it was crazy. Mm -hmm. And at the time, my goal was like, I want to be a nightclub bartender in downtown Vancouver. Like I had these like crazy, you know, dreams when you're that age. Right. <laughs> and, right. and that sort of took over my life for the next while. And, you know, it was, it was great. I learned a lot of skills. I learned a ton, but it was also very toxic. I was involved in some shit that wasn't, wasn't great. So then when I was 29, I sold everything. I moved to Australia, literally sold everything, moved there, mm. 
tried to get out of the bar industry. And then I ended up back in it even deeper into the partying, into the, like the toxic lifestyle. And yeah, that sort of took over. And, and I don't want to say it was all negative, but there was a lot of challenging times, which I'm grateful for. But um, I came to a point when, um, you know, we lost my younger brother mm. to suicide when I was in 2016. Mm. And then while my dad was visiting me, we found out. So it was very, very, wow. it was crazy. Yeah. Um, so we were, he was visiting me in Australia. First time I'd seen him in like three and a half years. We're having a good time. And uh, then we got the news. So I was at work. I had to tell him pretty deep stuff. I know, but I'm just, you know, mm -hmm. kind of, yeah. it's what's coming to me here. So Do it. feel the need to, to, to share it. So then, you know, that was really tough on my dad, really tough on me. And I was over in another country. And then within a year, my dad got cancer and died after that. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, so yeah. And, and so that was kind of where this inspiration to kind of make a change happened and university of adversity was born because I just had this word adversity and I was like, I love this word. I, it's what I've gone through. And I created the podcast after trying to do different online marketing, a lot of different, um, different things in the online space. I was trying to do direct selling, trying to do something different but I didn't feel I was standing out. I didn't feel like I could share my story to its full capacity. And I thought, what if I could share my story, give other people the container to share theirs and we can just, you know, create this thing and people can get to know the real me because this is, you know, I can't hide. I want to be vulnerable. I want to share it. And that has helped me discover my truth of who I really am. So that kind of brings us up to where we are today, man. It's, um, it's been, it's been quite the journey and, yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> yeah. Hell of a journey. That uh, yeah. it's a ton of things I want to touch on. Yeah, there. I know I went off, but sometimes that's it's okay. Tough. That's perfect. It's good to get the whole story out yeah. sequentially, so that yeah. it makes for a good a good listen straight through. Mm. Um, I get the thing. The thing that I would touch on first. It's interesting. I kind of look at it as your formative years, maybe zero to ten is when the foundation of who you are gets built. So it's sort of like your bedrock that you can then construct a house on. And it sounds like you had actually had a pretty good bedrock poured. They poured like yeah. the foundation of the house pretty solid. Like yeah. it's never perfect, but pretty good. Yeah. Which is similar for me. And then in those tumultuous teen years is sort of where you figure out who the fuck you are. Yeah. And because of everything you were going, you didn't get a chance to figure out who you were outside of a couple pieces of identity that you had held on to like hockey where you're like, mm. Hey, this is my thing. Like I'm yeah. the hockey player. And this mirrors my story a bit where I, I constructed an identity identity around the idea of being the fun party guy as well. And yeah. from age 18, probably age 16, really, but like age 16 through age 22, everything was about that like I knew where the good parties were I got all the girls like every piece of my ego had constructed into this person and it's difficult to break that cycle when from outside in you're getting positive feedback like dude Lance you're fucking killing it man like must yeah. be nice to be you and yeah. it's like the ego feeds on that it's like yes okay but that's really short short lasting fuel it doesn't last for as long as we'd like it to. And then to have tragedies like that happen, boom, boom, in a row is wild because it's the universe kind of 
slapping you awake and then credit to you. And I think this would be the first thing I'd love to dig into credit to you that you took it in the correct direction because a lot of people go the other direction. They double down and go, wow, woe is me. These terrible things have happened to me. Therefore the world sucks and I want to numb the pain. So I guess the first question would be like, what, what do you think caused you or was it maybe a few different things to go in that positive direction after such objectively terrible tragedies happening for you now, but to you at the time, rather than going down the negative path? That's a great question. I, um, just a sec here. Um, I, I always knew that what I was doing didn't serve my sole purpose like while I was doing it, I always was like, I got to quit drinking. I got to get out of this. But the money was too good. It was too fun. I was being rewarded with, you know, money and girls and it was just feeding my ego. And I was like, and I was still, I was eating healthy. So like I was balancing the best I could. So I, you know, but I knew deep down it wasn't the right thing. Mm. And so the first bit of, this is how, so when I first moved to Australia, I was reading books about, you know, biographies and, and shit that was really dark mm. and reading. And then I realized while I was there, I think I was reading the Chili Peppers biography or autobiography, whatever you call it. And I was like, why am I reading this thing? This doesn't make me feel good. This makes me feel like shit. Why am I reading this stuff? So I started to think about I, the first book that I got that really started to change the programming was the power of now. Mm, good book. So I didn't know why I was getting that book. I don't, I don't know. It just came to me and I was really interested in that. So that was probably in 2013. So the, the, that was where the seed was planted. I was like, what is this now? What do you mean now? And like, now I get it. But at the time, and I read it over and I was like, this is fascinating. So I would even practice it when I was bartending, being present. And that itself was just like, boom, like, so there was that seed planted in my mind Mm -hmm. and I started to really think about meditation. I started reading about Buddha. I started, I didn't know why I was reading this stuff. And then I I did a little bit of meditation, but then I kind of got away for it from the next few years. But I always knew that there was this other side to me that just need to be unlocked. Mm -hmm. And I feel now the booze was a good way for me to sabotage so that I could hide because it would be harder. Uh-huh. It would be harder to come to the surface at who I know I can, because it's easier to hide. Mm. And I think mm. quitting alcohol for one year in 2017. So what like 2016, we lost my brother and I went on a friggin' I went on a downward spiral. Like I was nuts. And then I quit 2017. And then that's when my brain changed. Mm. That's when my brain changed. So six months into that, my dad passed, but thank God I had started doing meditation and gratitude and all this stuff before he passed. Because if he right. was in, if I was in that state that I was when we lost my younger brother, I'd be fucked. Yeah. But I had the tools six months solid of sobriety. You know, I was doing gratitude practices every day, like deep, like 10 things I was grateful for and why I really got into this and meditation. And that gave me, that was where I really, when I, it happened with my dad, it was hard, but I was like, I, I can, I have the tools for this. I can get through this. And what is this teaching me? And so that was sort of the, the straw that broke the camel's back. 
I went back to Australia. So I had to come home, see my dad. I went back. And then I was like, I don't want to be in the bars anymore. I don't, this doesn't serve me. I don't want to, especially being sober. I was like, I don't want to feed people booze for a living. Mm -hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's like, it's not aligned with who I am anymore. So that was the kind of thing. And those factors allowed me to kind of go, all right. And then November of 2017, we moved back to Vancouver or sorry, December, 2017, I quit the bars, my last shift and then moved back to Vancouver, um, 2018, 20, uh, January, 2018. And then that's where it all kind of changed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. I, I love, and I had a, a recent, well, not that recent now, let's say two years ago at this point, mushroom ceremony for myself that kind of illuminated a piece of what you just said, which was my addictions were a way for me to, to numb away my potential. Yeah. And the drinking and other things were a way for me to not have to look at what I could be because it was really scary. And I had this vision where I was standing at the bottom of a huge mountain. I looked up at the mountain. I was like, oh my God, that's a big ass mountain. Mm -hmm. And the mountain was my potential. Like, that's a big ass mountain. Holy shit. I looked around. I'm like, I'm at the fucking bottom right now. Shit. (laughs) It's no good. And it, it sort of woke me up to like, okay, I'm doing a lot of things I'm doing as a way to like not fully go after it. Because if I don't fully go after it, if I don't embrace some of these practices, then I can't fail. And that's the thing I think is a lot of people are living in that zone where to say they're scared of success is maybe a bit of a misnomer. They are in a way, but what they're scared of is giving their absolute best and not not succeeding it's like to get that out of your head is such a unlocking of your potential all of a sudden you find yourself in a totally different headspace all the time because you're like who you are supposed to be and who you are acting as are in alignment and you're yeah perfectly lined up it's fascinating because you know i look back and I never really gave anything my hundred percent. And, and why is that? Why? Like, I, I think about this and I think a lot of people do like, what are, what is scary about being successful? Is it, is it the thing that it's going to force you to like, I just don't understand it. Cause I think a lot of people do it. A lot of people, they know what they're capable of yet. It's easier to just play small because then they don't have to change much. But it's like, we know that we can be better, yet we don't do it. So we do the things to sabotage ourselves. And I did it my whole life. You know, I, 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 I did just enough. And then I'd pull back just before I got what I, I, you know, I look back in sports and I'm like, they just tell these kids it's impossible to make it. And it's not. It's, it's just, you just got to break it down at each level. You do your best. Mm-hmm there's always going to be something that comes out of the thing you're doing. But if you retreat and run away, then you're never going to get anything. Yeah. But there's always, whether it's exactly what you want, the outcome, if it's not, there's still going to be a lot of positives. But it was so black and white for me growing up that it was like, if I don't get here, then it's over. And that's a lot of people think. It's like, well, no, just keep at it. You know, yeah. do the thing that you want to do and, you know, don't get too attached to the outcome because chances are it's not going to be exactly what you want. 
And that's okay because sometimes the thing that we, we think we want isn't even actually what we wanted, right? Not at all. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, and I've always been fascinated by that. And alcohol for me has always been the thing. And I'm like, I know that I'm small. I, I, I know that I'm playing small and I know what I'm capable of, but I've never allowed myself to do that. And it's like when I get feeling too good or too excited or it's like, well, no, you better just have a drink and just kind of calm, calm down. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's, it's, I don't understand it, man. Like it's... um. It's been a, it's been an issue and it's been an issue recently in my life as well. You know, mm. um, for some reason it's that kind of thing has creeped back. It's like when you ride, you learn to ride a bicycle, you know, if you don't ride it for 10 years, you're still going to remember how to ride the bicycle. And sometimes you, when you go so sober, you think, Oh, I'll never go back to that feeling again. And it's amazing. As soon as you have a drink, it's like, boom, ah, you're, we're <laughs> back, baby. We're back. We're back. Like, Demons back out of the cage. It's crazy, right? It's crazy mm -hmm. how we remember that. Yet you mm -hmm. put so much work into getting out of that that person. It's still part of me is like it's like the little some gremlin like come here. We mm -hmm. know we know what you're. You don't want to go here because we you like it over here. Yep. Spend a lot of time here. Yes. <laughs> I think uh, I think it's two things. So I think I run into this with clients a lot, people that I coach that a part of it's your biology. So the, yeah. the human machine is a comfort seeking machine. And if you're living your full potential, it means you're constantly on the bleeding edge of your area of discomfort. So I think it's important to acknowledge like there are some biological hooks in you that are yeah. trying to pull you back down and those aren't really going to go away. Like you can't just like trick yourself out of those because they're 5 million years of evolution programmed into your body, not yeah. just your current brain. So I think that's important to acknowledge. But then the other piece, I, a question I ask people is like, well, what would hurt more? Would it hurt more if you give 100% and you get a 50% on the test? Or would it hurt more if you kind of like give 30% and you get a 50% on the test? The 30% effort allows you to then go, well, yeah, I didn't really try anyways. Yeah, I didn't exactly. really put, I didn't really put myself on the line. So it's exactly. like, that's, that's in there too. I see it all the time in my, the yeah. way I operate. It's like, oh, well, if I don't ask or if I don't go for it, then I can't fail because even if I fail, it doesn't matter. Like I didn't put myself out there. It's like, yeah. it's not a way to live your life. It's not, but for some reason it's, it, it's, it's an issue in so many people's lives and the fear of success. And I don't know, like how deep rooted is that? Like, why would we be scared? Like, I don't understand the psychology of it. Like, why are we scared mm -hmm. to succeed? I don't know if that's the actual thing, like you said, but like, what is the reason for that? Like, why are we, is it deep rooted for like, what, why? Like, what's the reason? I think a part of it, I'll speak for myself here, is pressure. The more successful you become, the more pressure you are under. So yeah. if you're, if you're a piece of shit and no one expects anything out of you, you have like no pressure. If you do anything good, it's like amazing. It's like, holy shit, I can't believe Alex put two and two together finally. It's amazing. When you're high performing, any mistake you make is magnified and it's just sort of expected that you're doing what you're doing. So I, I think for me, that's some of what sits there is like each step I take towards my full potential adds a certain amount of pressure that feels really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, that's what it is for me. I don't know. I'm curious what you think it is for you. I, I think I know that I'm a leader at heart. I know that, well, this is from a mushroom ceremony too. I did mm-hmm. recently and we'll get into it. I, um, I think it's the responsibility that you know you have. And I know that I have just from being, you know, a captain on team sports and just when you know that that's the responsibility that comes that when you shine that light and you lead, you can't go, you can't retreat. You have to keep going in to the battlefield, right? You got to lean into it. And, and then I guess it's the thought of letting people down once you've kind of become that person, mm-hmm. it's, that's kind of a shitty feeling yeah. because I think about myself, I think about, I could just, hide hung over just like you know those old days whenever you know you could just hide from everybody but when you step up into your power and you lead and then you become that there's no retreating you just can't right because it's been kind of you've woken you you you've you're and and the, it's great to help people and that becomes like a great feeling so i guess you just just being just letting people down i guess for me thinking about once i hit that level it's like that's you got to keep rising up mm. maybe that's a fear maybe that's what's coming out right now you know and and mm. and i i think that's what it is it's funny because i did a mushroom ceremony myself um i was being called to it i hadn't done much before i did um three and a half grams in the dark healthy I, dose <laughs> yeah it was it was it was great i um you know i'd done it before where we go out into the wilderness, you know, and, and it's all about the externals. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to go internally. I didn't want any sort of any distractions. I even told myself like, don't go, try not to go to the bathroom. Don't get into that. that Cause you'll stay there. Right. Okay. So I, I was like, okay, I'm going to get the setting ready. Um, you know, I had tea. I did the whole thing. It was a Sunday. I made sure nobody was going to bother me. I made it as comfortable as possible, you know? Um, and then, you know, I listened to East Forest's music for Magic Mushrooms, which is yeah. fucking uncre- incredible. It's like, ridiculously it's, good. I get goosebumps just thinking about it, man. Like, it's just like, it's, I, I just was like blown away. So I'm lying there and I'm thinking all of a sudden, you know, whatever, like I haven't done it in a while. And then boom, it hit me. Rage, uh, waves of anxiety at first, but then that mm-hmm. went away. And I became... This may seem silly to anybody that's done it a lot, but for me, this became really profound. Like I became two people. One person was kind of telling me, it was like the higher self in front of me, guiding me mm-hmm. through the ride, the ride of the roller coaster. Like you're going to expect this, but it's okay. You have the tools. So breathe through it. I kept telling myself, breathe through it, breathe through it. And then I was like, okay. It was like the smart one to the, 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 the kid or something. Right. It, was, it was crazy and it was amazing. But I was going on this ride of emotion and one thing that really stood out to me was that it was telling me that I was dulling my light so much. It's like, you're a leader and you're not showing up like your, your potential, like it's, it's pathetic. And I was like giving myself shit. Like I was like, yeah, I know you're right. And it's like, you know, you know better, but you're, 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 you're robbing, you're robbing people of your gift. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, you know, and, and that it really hit me hard because I knew that intuitively and then I was showing my dad and I cried. I laughed. I had this euphoric feeling. Fuck, man. It was, it was like, it was one of the craziest things. And just forcing myself for five, I don't want to say force, allowing myself to go deep five to six hours through that, the, the music and everything. 
just like, it was like file after file being showed to me. And it was like, mm -hmm. how often do you sit in the dark and just reflect ever? Yeah. Like who sits in the dark? It's like meditating for six hours. Like you yeah. never do it. Well, most people, mm -hmm. and it was just going through all these things and seeing these things. And I was like, I haven't looked at this and I saw some weird shit from my childhood with like friends. And I was like, Oh God, I don't want to look at that. There's that. Uh Oh <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Oh man, where does that come from? And at first mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, I don't want to look at that, but it's like, you got to, that's what you're here for. You'll be right. fine. And, and it was like the voice of reason was walking me through it, which was really cool because in the past, the paranoia sort of takes over a little bit in certain areas, but mm -hmm. man, so that, you know, talking about the, and it was like, stop drinking, stop drinking. Mm -hmm. Yet after that, I went and drank for another couple of weeks and then I gave it, I stopped again. Yep. But it's crazy. Like, why would I start again when the thing is telling me not to? And man, it was a, such a powerful experience to go in the dark like that. Because yeah. I was inspired by hearing Aubrey talk about his dark, his dark retreat, you know, just like straight up in the dark. And then I was like, what if I did that with mushrooms? So that yeah. was super powerful, man. Okay. So this is super interesting. First of all, you've great fucking instincts because basically everything you did in your personal ceremony is what I recommend to people in their personal ceremonies. So yeah. kudos for that nice to go alone in the dark with good music, special care and attention played to the set and setting. Yeah. And then to go in with that mindset of surrender is like, that's how the productive trips happen. Yeah what I think is really interesting is that we, I see this a lot in people that I talk to after they've done a big dose is there's almost a rubber band effect, especially if it's one of, I find, especially if it's their first time doing it with the level of intention that you did it with, yeah. that there's this rubber band effect where they have to kind of double down on their bad habits for a little bit to try and like, numb down what they just learned because like you can't just go back and like have one drink that won't take away the shit you just learned about yourself which can no. be a little scary so it's like you have to double down like all right i'm doing all all the drugs all the alcohol so that i can not think about because like you've become aware yeah, that's now, exactly what happened man. right <laughs> you're aware of the shit you need to be doing now yeah and so there's no more ignoring it and i i often refer to mushrooms as like the divine spotlight yeah. In that they're going to just shine a light on the shit you need to be working on and the shit you're ignoring. And then it's on you to do the work. Yeah. They're not going to like change things for you. It's just going to go, Hey, here's where you're fucking up. Here's the 10 ways. And perhaps here's where it came from in your timeline of your existence. Yeah. But it can be, <laughs> there's a lot of resistance often from the, the conscious mind and the ego. When you come back, it's like, uh Oh, now I, now I can't use the excuse that I didn't know where I was fucking up. Now I know where I'm fucking up. Yeah. And it's, we already know intuitively what the mushrooms are going to find. Mm -hmm. you know? Like it's usually just bringing that to the surface. It's like, oh, yeah. okay. All right. I know it was there. I got to see yeah. it. But then sometimes it's like, why am I being showed that person? Mm -hmm. And that was cool too, because like I was being shown um, people that like, that I, you know, maybe have neglected that I shouldn't be. And I was like, mm -hmm. it's fascinating. You know, to go to, to do that experience in that setting instead of like going out in nature. And of course, that's fun, like looking at trees and, yeah. you know, it's amazing. But like, it's a whole different, it's a, like, it was like it was a completely different experience for me. I wasn't Absolutely. seeing all these cool things and it, a little bit, but it was more of like looking at my own life, the files, mm -hmm. all the downloads like that were important, relevant now that I already knew 
they were just being showed and it was it was a really amazing peaceful experience you know yeah. and that like you said it's crazy because i doubled down after that i was like i went on like a two week just just i don't even know why like it's it was ridiculous and then now i've been off for two weeks and then and, and i feel so much better it was like as mm -hmm. soon as this whole thing happened it was like that's when i i woke i woke up and i was like holy shit i'm glad i don't feel like i did two weeks ago right now right like it's dark it's place crazy. alone home dude like just drinking like, at home like just yeah like there's there's so many people that are probably doing that and it's like that would my sanity would be to go to the gym and sweat it out of the sauna and be like okay well at least i got that done right if i had a big night and and now i'm like man there's no there's i have to eat healthy like i gotta stay in this this prime zone yeah. for people as well right like you know doing interviews like this like i want to be in a prime state i want to give as much value and energy as as i can i've watched i've listened to interviews of mine in the past and i'm like i wasn't on that day you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, I can feel it in my own energy, but Absolutely. at the time I couldn't. And I think that's super, super important, especially in a time like this, when people are looking for love, people are looking for hope. And, you know, it's up to people like us who have platforms or have, you know, the tools to really to shine as much as we yeah. can. Right. And, um, that's why doing things like this is just so, so awesome, man, to yeah. be able to like, get this into people's lives and, and allow them to get inspired because you know, shit's going to probably get worse before it gets better. Yeah. Well, then I, I love the idea that like through sharing your story in truth, and this is maybe even a potential, a little bit of a reframe from something you said earlier, but in sharing your story with truth, including all of the failures and stumbling points, you give other people a roadmap or rather, I wouldn't even say a roadmap because everyone's life is different, but give them a compass that they can look at and go, oh, okay, well, Lance made it through this, this, and this, and it wasn't, because we often fall into this trap where like a story like yours, it's super fucking impactful and you had these big moments, but then there's still going to be stumbling blocks after that. It's not like you're fucking fixed and everything's yeah. perfect, but that's helpful for people to know because I didn't know that when I was younger. I'm looking at it like, oh, you started your first business and everything went perfect and then you succeeded and I'm over here struggling probably because I'm uniquely fucked up. Yeah. It's like, hey, no, I struggle all the time. It's yeah. weeks where I'm just like, I'm getting pizza. I'm going to feel like shit this week. Yeah. <laughs> lower, well, lower self grabs me. The problem is a lot of people that wasn't, people weren't sharing their stories before. People, mm -hmm. vulnerability was a weakness, right? That's the way it was. And I grew up, don't talk to anybody about this. That's weakness, right? That the whole, the whole thing has changed now, right? And even, you know, businesses and CEOs, like you got to share your story, man. You got to yeah. be real. People would be like, fuck this guy. Doesn't want to even tell me about his life. You don't want to be honest with me. Those people are going to get going to get, you know, dealt with, man. They're not, people don't want that shit. Well, that's what my perspective. I want to know the human. I want to get to know them. I want to know the ups, the downs, the good, the bad, the ugly. And, um, that, that matters to me because for me, I know what it's done for me. And I know I've talked to, you know, interviewed a lot of people and it's always the same. It's like the minute you just, you, you allow yourself to share your vulnerability and truth. That's when the healing starts mm -hmm. and that allows other people the, the permission. Right. And Absolutely. I think, um, the more, the more people get comfortable with just sharing who they are, like it's not doing anything crazy, but just being honest. Mm -hmm. That, that, that is where the magic is. And that 
is what creates these bonds and these partnerships. And, you know, a time like this, there's a lot of collaborations that'll happen. There's a lot of people that will be seeking other relationships and who knows what will come out of those amazing relationships, right? The five years from now exactly. that were cultivated during times like this. Mm-hmm. Right. I should timestamp this too. We're, we're dead in the middle of the coronavirus outbreak here. Yeah. I mean, it probably hasn't even really like. Yeah. Crested <laughs> at least not stateside in Canada in like Italy. Yeah. It's probably hit its peak, yeah. but it's yeah. the 24th of March right now. So as a timestamp for everyone listening, that's sort of where we're at and waiting with bated breath to see how things develop. Yeah. I think what is, uh, so a couple of interesting pieces of, uh, framework for people that when you go to do ayahuasca, they recommend you both, you do a dieta, a diet beforehand, and then also for a couple of weeks afterwards, you also do that. And that includes like no alcohol and no drug use. And a big part of it is those are the, is because of the tendencies we just spoke about to sort of double down and fall into your own patterns. And the integration doesn't really start unless, until you allow yourself the time to process what you've learned and formulate an action plan of what you're going to do about it. Cause this is the thing I see most often missed in people integrating a lesson they've been shown. It's like, okay, well, what are you going to do about it now? You know what you're supposed to do, but what's the concrete action step you're taking tomorrow to love yourself more or whatever the message was. Yeah. I think people get, I would say Western culture, especially, but worldwide culture at this point, we're very much in the mindset of like magic pill. Mm. I want something to fix immediately. And we're not in the mindset of like, you're going to have to do some work. (laughs) It won't be a light switch. It's not off on, but this is where the sharing and even just you sharing your experience that you just went through is so helpful because it goes, oh, I don't have to be perfect. And you weren't perfect. Great things are working out as they're supposed to work out and it's okay for me to stumble before I move forward. So I guess I'm curious, was there any moment in the last two weeks that sort of flipped the switch for you where you were like, Oh, let's not be drinking anymore. Or what, what cascaded that? Well, just a little before that. So with our first, Mm -hmm. you know, fit for service summit in Tulum, Mm -hmm. um, I was pretty disappointed in myself on how I showed up mm. because I went back to the scared, the scared human that needs to drink in order to like, I don't know, to navigate through different personalities. And um, I, I maybe was afraid that I, what I'm capable of and what I, what that means. So it's just, it, I went back to my old self and although that was, it happened perfectly the way it was, it really bothered me because that's not me anymore, but you know, and I tend to be the ringleader as a partier, you know, like, you know, tequila, having fun. Cause that's what I did for so long. I got paid yeah. to do that. So it's hard when I go back into an environment where there's that option, it's mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, let's get into it. Right. Let's have some fun. And it's good and bad, but I, for, I was feeling really shitty about myself because that's, I worked so hard to get out of that, that, that person. And I went right back into it, but I learned a lot from it as well. So it's been a struggle for me, man, to go in and, in and out. And the one thing that is always the factor is the booze. And I know I need to get rid of it. So yeah, I guess just, I got a couple of weeks ago, 
I was just, I was like, what am I doing? Like, why? I mean, I'm 36 years old. Like, why do I keep going back to this shit? Why? Like, what is the thing? I don't enjoy it every time. It's always the factor, you know, it's, and, and then I just said, that's, that's it. And then all of a sudden the day after the NBA, the NHL all got shut down and everybody's like, and I'm like, Whoa, this is happening right when I'm, and, and I stocked up on food and I've just been dialed in ever since. And it was like weird timing, but you know, it's been two weeks now and like, you know, I can control it. But when I get, I get in down these paths of drinking and I just like having fun, right. I enjoy people and having fun. So I just realized that like, I need to, for me to get to where I need to get to as far as the level that I know that I can be at, it just doesn't have a place. It doesn't align. Mm-hmm. No, I know the journey is going to be the journey, but for me to get there, I have to be in alignment with the actions, right? Like you can't say you're going to be somebody, but then don't do the actions that align with that thing. You're only you're, the things that you do on a daily basis are what make you that thing, right? Absolutely. <laughs> doesn't make any sense if you're contradicting what your beliefs are with your actions. It makes no fucking sense. And that's the thing that people get stuck in. It's like, well, yeah, I want to do this, but yeah, but what do you do on a daily basis? If you're going out and drinking and eating bad, what are you telling your body? You're saying you don't care. Like you don't really care enough to get there. Right. And that's what I've been dealing with, man. And, um, I feel blessed to be out of that right now. And I, I, I you know, and having this conversation cause I hope it, it helps somebody. Yeah. I think one of the most useful things I ever heard, and I can't remember who told it to me. So random person out there in the world credit is yours not mine but (laughs) that is as you're working on the cycle of self-improvement it's important to acknowledge both how much you're improving but also to acknowledge the time acknowledge the reduction in the time you spend in a downward cycle Mm. because so often we beat ourselves up like i fell off the wagon but maybe in the past you would have fallen off the wagon for two months and maybe this time you just fell off for two weeks. Yeah. That's an improvement. That's like you fucking noticeably improved. So that is something I've started tracking for myself. Cause it's like, it's not, I'm never going to drink again. It's just yeah. when I fuck up, is it a day or is it 10 days? That's what's important for me to be seeing as I move forward. Mm-hmm. What I found for me, that was the, the X factor in my drinking internally and there's still a little bit of that bug in me but what was in me was the thought that i'm missing out on a certain amount of what i deserve to experience as like a younger adult and like there was a certain amount of fear baked in of like i'm getting older i deserve to party yeah because i'm not gonna get another chance to do it later and it's like i had to dispense with that because there's such a a lack mindset of like i'm i'm losing years now and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get to party like this ever again it's like fuck man there's people out there that are 50 that get to go to a fucking fun party but they've also built a badass business so the party's even better because they know they deserve it yeah yeah it's it's that's the same feeling that I used to get when I was trying to make it in sports. It's like, you feel like you're missing out. And then once you get that opportunity, you're like, fuck, this isn't that great. And then you're, you know, it's like the the opportunity has gone because you didn't give your all. And yeah, it's a weird feeling that we're feel like we're missing out on shit. And then when we're in it, it's never that great. 
you know, and then the next day it's like, I'm not doing that again. It's like, and then you're in this cycle. And I think that alcohol has its place for, for people. I think like not everybody's wired differently. I think mm -hmm. that if you can use it as like a cel celebration or, you know, someone's getting married or you've hit a, a milestone, man, you know, get yourself a bottle of tequila and have some fun, you know, like, I mean, that's, but for, for somebody, when you know that it's, it's hindering you in a lot, in, in many ways, like if you can get a lot of people can get a ton of shit done and still have a drink and it's fine. But if it's taking over and it becomes the, the thing, always the conversation, you always got to go drink and it's really affecting your mood, then you may want to pull back, right? Like give yourself a break. It's good to give yourself a break for a while anyways. Yeah. Regardless of if you, if you have a problem or not, your body, it's not, it's poison, right? So <laughs> So I think everyone's got to have that self-awareness and we all know it. We know what it does. Like, right. And, and I think using it as a coping mechanism is the wrong idea, but using it mm -hmm. as a celebratory thing, like setting a date once a month or once every two months and be like, you know, this is the time where I'm going to enjoy, I'm going to celebrate my hard work or whatever you want to do. I think that's yeah. fine. Right. Absolutely. I, I try to treat it now and this is with anything and, the point you just touched on of it being a coping mechanism. One of the hallmarks of coping mechanisms is do they arise unplanned or do they come up planned? So mm. it's okay if you plan it. Like two weeks from now, it's my birthday and I'm going to go out and have some drinks. That's totally different than yes. today I feel emotionally shitty. So I'm going to go have some drinks. And it's the same thing across the board. Like yeah. what I recommend to people with mushrooms. Don't try to use it to escape things. Oh, That's yeah. like, people ask me like, how often should I do ceremonies? It's like, it's going to be different for everyone. Some people 10 times a year, some people once every other year. But the yeah. main thing is, are you trying to use it to escape from a way that you're feeling that you don't like, or are you using it to know yourself better and deepen your connection? Yeah. If you ask yourself that question, you've got a totally different paradigm of like, is it okay to do this? Same thing for like weed and stuff too. So many people I know that like smoke themselves to sleep every night. And it's like, fuck man, there's, there's stuff under there that's waiting to be processed that never gets a chance to come up to the surface and yeah, keep pushing it back down with this habit that you tell yourself like, well, it's healthy. It's like, yeah, maybe physically it's fine, but emotionally it's fucking not. <laughs> Man, yeah, like mushrooms, I would not do it if I wasn't in, like if I was doing it to cope, I would not mm. want to see my trip, man. Because <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of anxiety that's built up over the years. And that's why I don't like smoking weed because it just makes me uncomfortable when I do it. I'm like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> like I always get this like, you know, I had an edible, a half CBD, half, uh, half uh, THC. And it was, usually it's good, but I had too much one night and I was like, it hit me. I was like, oh, fuck's sakes. I couldn't, I had to go hide in my bed. Like yes, I was fucking <laughs> freaking out, man. I was like freaking out. It was, it was like, I hadn't had that feeling of losing the control. Even on mushrooms, I felt more control. And I was like, that's it. Never again. You know, like Joe Rogan's talked about it too. It's like, sometimes yeah. these, these edibles will just be like, holy fuck. Just, <sighs> you're, 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 yeah. it's, you feel so out of control and mm. I don't like that feeling, man. I don't, I don't like that. I don't know how other people react to it, but. Um, I don't like to do it as a coping mechanism, anything. The intention is everything, yeah. right? Intention and setting, 
It's like I, with the mushrooms, I was like, I'm doing it that day and that's it. And I'm going to make sure that everything is ready to go. And I went into it like, boom, yeah. give it to me. Let's go. Yeah. Here we go. Like, like I'm ready to surrender. I'm not, I'm like, whatever come at me. And it was beautiful, man. And it's, it's so important. And, and, you know, learning from guys like you and learning from, you know, the fit for service community and, and just hearing these stories, like it's been so educational because it's such a tool that can unpack so much shit. You know, it's not for everybody, but you, I mean, like we say, it's, it, you get the call, you get the nudge, you know, it's, you know, it's time to maybe give it a go and it's beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that people like everything else. It's a tool and yeah. it should be used accordingly. And I even think like people can, I know people that like go to music festivals and take LSD, go to music festivals and take mushrooms. And because you have so much external stimulus, you can actually be totally okay. Even if you have shit that's like under the surface that needs to be dealt with, you can yeah. be totally fine because there's so much external. But I really do think when you do it intentionally and do it internal, it's almost always a positive for people. Even if in the moment, it's very difficult with proper care and intentionality, these things are huge levers for us to pull to increase our self-knowledge and self-understanding, which mm -hmm. to me is like, that's one of the things I focus on most in my life is how can I understand myself better? Because 99% of my anxiety, depression, whatever it is I'm dealing with comes from a lack of self-knowledge. When I don't understand why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling and I try to do other things to cope with the feeling, it compounds and that's when it becomes a complex or a neuroses where you're just like yeah I've built this habit to ignore it so i go down this path over and over again i'm deepening that groove in my brain and now i'm a fucking alcoholic shit <laughs> yeah yeah and i think this will be a good time for all of us being inside like being in a quarantine because we all want to go search for that thing to fill the void mm -hmm. whatever that thing is our habits that we we do and now that we're all kind of inside, it's like, there's not as many options, which is kind of a good thing. You know, what's funny is because I got right before this hit, I was actually looking at going and have renting like an office space because I got tired of working at home and then boom, you keep working at home for a while yep. because I Deal felt I wasn't being productive at home. I felt yeah. like, you know, you, you know, there's so many things. Oh, I'm going to eat. Oh, I'm going to make a coffee. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I lack sometimes the discipline of separating the, the two, because I, I like the idea of going somewhere to do the work and then coming home to do the relax. And sometimes those two get mixed up. And if you don't have the discipline, it can be, it can be difficult. A lot of people are going to realize that, especially during this time. So it's funny how that kind of, I was, I was like, I, I need to, I need to get out of here for a while. Yeah. Else? It's like, no, 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 no. You're going to figure it out. <laughs> You're going to figure out how to work at home. You got a desk, you got an office, like fucking figure it out. Like what's your excuse, right? <laughs> yeah. You get, you get a chance to ask better internal questions. Cause we, I do this, especially with working. It would be better at a coffee shop. It'd be easier. I'd get more done. And like, yeah, yeah, maybe, but it's that it's not addressing the root cause of the issue and what it's been a lot for me lately is just acknowledging when I'm actually burnt out, giving myself some self-care and yeah. not feeling guilty about it. And then coming back up the other side. And that is a game changer. It's like, okay, I'm actually burnt out right now. I need to take care of myself a little bit yeah. and then get back to it. How, how addicted to, are you to your phone? <laughs> Very. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, 
I, I have a problem with it oh, yeah. because it's I it's actually mind boggling. Like how how when we get up in the morning, how important that programming is before we turn on our phone. Fucking meditation, gratitude, journaling is so important. I've done it. I've seen it. Because if you get into the matrix of your phone first, your whole day you're reacting. Yep. What's going on here? What's going on there? It's like mm-hmm. there is times I sit on my phone and I'm like going from app to app, app to app conversation. And literally I'm like, I just spent 10 hours on my phone. I looked yep. at my screen time, 10 hours, yep. 10 hours, man, on your fucking phone. And I'm like, there's, there is like a serious thing there. So I, on the weekend, mm-hmm. I took off all the apps because I know it's just a lot of it's habit. Like mm-hmm. I look at my phone. Okay. That's there. So I'm just going to hit that. And then yeah. I go there and then you're like in the vortex. Mm-hmm. And when I took the apps off for the weekend, I was like, Oh, where's Instagram? Oh, where's what's Oh, it's not there. Oh, oh. okay. All right. What am I going to do with my extra 10 hours a day? I'm like, okay. But then, you know, there's other stuff. Then there's, you know, there's porn and then there's like this, there's that. It's like, what the fuck? So it's like the phone is, is really, it's such a simple device. It's such, a, it's such an amazing thing for so many ways. But you, there's so much lack of control that people have that it's, people are aware of it, but people really don't address it. And I certainly get caught up in it. And and it's my whole day. I can just see my productivity on how much I'm on my phone. Like, 100%. It's, uh, it's nuts, man. It's easy to trick ourselves too, especially in your position and my position that I'm doing work when I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I need to be on this right now because this is a part of my business. And it's like, yes, and that's the 30th picture of an ass I've looked at. So yeah. probably not yeah. important. Or like, yeah, like... <laughs> Dude, it's, I'm curious, like, how many people are going through this? Because we don't, a lot of people don't talk about it. But, like, like, the phone is probably the biggest addiction that we have. Oh, yeah. It's acceptable. It's socially acceptable. Yeah. Because it does everything, right? It has, I remember the days where when you go on Facebook, you go to the computer. It's like, mm-hmm. that's a computer thing. Yep. The phone is for the text, for the call. And then all of a sudden, it became a camera. It became uh-huh. a fucking video player. It became, um, it became a whatever else, like it, a money-making tool. Mm-hmm. You know, it became every device possible, music. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, I don't need anything else. And I kid you not, there's times where I go on my computer and I'm like, how do I even do that? Because I'm so, what do I do on this thing? I'm so used to using this on mm-hmm. how I even write emails. No mm-hmm. fucking joke. When I go and sit and type, I'm like, well, this is weird. When it used to be the opposite, like I had to go to the computer to do stuff. And now it's like, it's, it's, a, it's almost foreign to go on the, and, and type shit out because I, have, I don't really need to most times. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. That's Everyone's in crazy, it. Man. Everyone's in it. It's not a problem unique to us. Yeah. It's something we weren't prepared for that snuck up on us and here we are and everyone's yeah. addicted to them. And I, what's been really useful for me lately is just making the decision. Like first half of the day, my phone either stays in the room and I don't touch it or it just stays wherever. <laughs> I, I know that I currently don't have enough discipline or even want to spend the whole day without having my phone. But the first half of the day, I'm surprised at what the fuck I can get done in like four to six hours when I'm just not checking it at all. 
it's it's amazing and your focus is so much better too because then when you do look at your phone you're like all right i'm in control now i'm turning this on i'm making the conscious effort to turn this on i am in the driver's seat mm-hmm. not not the other way around yeah you know those feelings when you wake up out of bed every person has done this at some point like oh shit and then and then it creates this anxiety like say you get started like an email you don't like or something mm-hmm. and you trigger and then all of a sudden it's like your whole day is reacting to this this shit and instead of taking the time to to kind of fill your cup first and get programmed for the day you know you allow that thing to take over and i find the entire day is just how you react and how you you focus on your projects and what you got to do is all based on that first that first you know couple hours of your morning yeah you know, it sounds simple, but like I've tried it myself and I'm sure you have a million times, like, does this actually matter? And it does. Massively. <laughs> Even so meditating. Like, like when you look oh. at the phone for too long, you try and meditate. It's like, oh, I feel like it's like, it doesn't feel as, right. you know. Did I send that message? Did I not? So yeah. walk us through like your ideal morning, the way you, when you're at your optimum performance, what do you hit in the morning or what are the must haves first thing? So this is one thing that I don't miss every day. It's making my bed. It's a simple mm-hmm. cover. I don't have, I, I just have a simple comforter on there. Boom. I get out and make the bed always. That's one thing I've been really strict about. Um, and then it's meditation. I go and do a 30 minute meditation. Some days I'll do a little less, but that's usually the point that I do. And gratitude. Sometimes one of those, like the gratitude may be the one that gets pushed away. But lately I've been really focusing on those three. Um, those have been the staples that helped me change a lot. Mm-hmm. And obviously going and doing, having those things done, the journaling and gratitude about how I'm feeling, all that, and then going and having a workout, some sort, sauna. But for me to get the day started, it's non-negotiable. I got to have a meditation. If I don't, I, the day just isn't, isn't. And it's those little habits. I got all this stuff from, you know, Tim Ferriss back yeah. in the day, you know, making the bed. And it's such a simple thing, but it's so important at installing the little things. Like you look at it, you're like, oh, the bed's made. All right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did that. I said I was going to do it. I did it. And then meditation. And then, that, and then the next thing, it's like you've, you've programmed your mind to like you're keeping the promises with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So as Tony Robbins talks about, confidence is created from keeping the promises with yourself. If you don't do the little things, then you're just telling yourself, well, fuck, nothing matters. Like, right. And, and that's what I found to be really useful. Just those super, super basic, those basic things. And then allow myself to have the control of turning on my phone and reading and all that. I need to get better at reading first, but that's usually the thing that, that gets pushed aside, to be honest, yeah. the reading. Um, but yeah, what about yourself? Yeah, I, so very similar, however, me and my girlfriend have an arrangement where she makes the bed if I make the coffee. So that's nice because I hate making the bed. <laughs> um, yeah. But similar, meditate first. Actually, I get the coffee going. Then I meditate. Then I like to read in the morning, but mm. it, that's not a non-negotiable for me. Um, those are the things and what I found useful about it and similar to your routine, which I like in its simplicity. Yeah. I think it must have been Jordan Peterson that talked about this, but so many people start with like, Oh, I'm going to have this three hour morning routine. Like I'm going to take everything Aubrey's doing. I'm going to take everything Tim Ferriss is doing. And I'm going to try to implement it all at once. And yeah. they fail yeah. because 
good luck trying to do anything three hours in the morning when you don't have the habit or the skill to do it. So what's been impactful for me is giving myself a little bit of permission. Like, okay, meditation is non-negotiable unless I pre-plan like the night before, like, hey, tomorrow I'm not meditating. It's my day to be a piece of shit and play video games. Then cool, that's fine. But besides those circumstances, meditation is non-negotiable. Making that coffee first thing in the morning, non-negotiable. If I do those two things, then I feel set up for my day to win. But I'm also not putting so much pressure on myself that I just flip the table and say, fuck it. I'm not doing anything because it's too much. Yeah, because you could actually set yourself up to feel worse if you didn't do it. So Mm -hmm. you want to have things that you can do, right? Simple stuff. And you also have, it's all about trying it out too, like what works Mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. For me... It's, I've even done intuitive Reiki sessions where the girl has been like, look, like you just need to do the simple things that you've been doing. And I'm Mm. like, really? She's like, don't, don't, you know, just, just do those things and you'll have so much more success with just the simple things. We don't need to make it crazy, but you need to know like what works for me and what doesn't, what works for somebody doesn't work for everybody. Right. And you don't, you only figure that out through, through trying it. It's like, it's like nutrition and diet. There's not, we're not all one of the same. You know, like we all react differently to, to different foods. We all react differently to different things. Coffee. Some people can't drink coffee. I love it, but I know my limit that if I have too many, it actually is a disservice to me. Right. right? Absolutely. So it's, it's, it's funny because I always encourage people just try all this different stuff out. Right. Mm. You know, you can't do everything. Uh, you can't follow everybody, pick somebody that you admire and try their routine. But you know, at the end of the day, you just gotta, you gotta try everything and see what works. And for me, I like to keep it as simple as, as, as I can. And practicing and writing down what I'm grateful for and really feeling it has been powerful for me. Mm, And it was something I I used to think was silly when I was, when I was younger, but, um, it's really like, it's really had an impact, man. Mm. I mean, it's both gratitude journaling and meditation have a similar effect in that you are reprogramming your brain for a different way of operating and yeah gratitude journaling is super powerful like it it turns you into a machine that seeks the best in every situation yeah because like when people do gratitude journaling the first two days it's like obvious it's like i'm grateful for my house i'm grateful for my girlfriend i'm grateful for this but then you have to get into the non-obvious shit where it's like i'm grateful for this pen which lets me write and yeah, that carries over. It spills over to everything. Like that yeah. shit happens. You're like, I'm grateful for this opportunity to learn. Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of people get it mixed up. Like it's the gratitude is all about the feeling, the emotion behind it. Mm. Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about this too. You when you're when you're the reason a lot of people say, Oh, it's it's too long. I don't want to be grateful for my toothbrush. Mm-hmm. It's missing the point because we're already programmed to see the negative in so much shit. So yep. programming yourself every day even if it seems, um, you know, tedious, that just means that you're not feeling it enough. Like if you really yeah. get into feeling grateful or even present tense, like feeling that you've already accomplished something and being in that situation to the point where like you could almost cry or you get goosebumps, mm. it's hard to get there, but that's the point where you want, that's where the magic happens. Yeah. You gotta like, you gotta really be grateful, like, and say why you're grateful. I'm grateful for this pen because this pen allows me to get my thoughts onto paper and to really like and get into it. And sometimes they'll be long, but it's like then you can then after you read them over and you and you and you literally feel what you just wrote and you say, yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you. Like you literally 
there's more to it than I'm grateful for this coffee. I'm grateful for it. It's like, no, that's fucking bullshit. Really get into it and feel why you're grateful for it. And that for me has been massive. And, you know, it's such a high vibrational activity, right? Meditation. And then right into that, you get into grateful and then you, and, and what you're journaling and all that, man, it's like the highest vibration. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's something that when you start to do that for a while, you just become that. So you see the, 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 the light in every situation instead of like, Oh fuck, I'm a victim. Right. No, I'm empowered here. Like in our situation now with this coronavirus, it's like, well, yeah, it sucks. But where's the lesson in this? There's a lesson here. There's a positive. We don't need to be a victim. Feel it for a bit. Yeah. Okay. This sucks in a certain way. Feel that, but move on and learn the lesson, you know? And, um, I feel like practicing gratitude on a daily basis and really getting into it as like a meaningful practice can really program you for when shit hits the fan in society. A lot of people are panicking because they're all used to fear. They don't have the tools and you see it, you know, like, Oh, the people that do have the tools aren't panicking as much. Right. So. Yeah. I think you, you hit the nail on the head with that and it, it's so perhaps not often enough talked about and like, okay, so let me, let me take two steps back to take three steps forward. So people, some people hear everything you just say and they have like a very, let's call it a reductionist or a pessimistic view of the world. And they go, Hey, everything doesn't happen for a reason. It doesn't mean anything. And fair enough, maybe, but if you're looking at what is the best way for you individually to operate in any given moment, it's to choose this positive mindset because it changes everything in your being. So it's like, even if things aren't happening for you, even if they truly are happening to you and there's no plan and it just fucking like shit happens, it's still better to act as if there's a lesson in it because you still get the chance to at least at a bare minimum, even if something was objectively only bad, at least you can control your mindset about it. And if you can do that, you can do a lot of other shit that you don't think you can do. Yeah. I mean, I look at it like this. I've tried the other way. It didn't work. Right. Like, I mean, I've tried it. You can, you have a choice. Like, I mean, do the other way. If that's, you'll see. If that's working for you, great. (laughs) Look look at the people in the world that are doing that way. Do you, where are they? Look at the people that aren't doing it the other way. Hmm. The people I listen to, when it comes to this stuff, the people that I resonate with, the people that I trust are doing these things. So I may not be a doctor. I don't know everything. I know nothing really, but the people I trust are doing this. So I'm going to give them, I'm going to listen to them because Mm -hmm. they are potentially where I want to be, you know? So, and, and you have those two choices. And I I really encourage people like if the other way isn't working, it's not going to hurt you to try. And a lot of people will realize that. Is it challenging at first? Yes because you're going to deal with all the negative family, negative people around you. But eventually the people that don't gravitate towards your positive energy will just fade away. Anyway, mm-hmm. you'll attract more people that are, are more in tune with your vibration, which is a higher vibration and which is where all the magic happens anyways. Yeah. Right. It's a filtering mechanism and it's for everything too. It's for both business for self-development. It's also for dating. Like people, yeah. people seem to segment these things out as if they're all separate arenas, but they're all the same arena in that they're all relationships. Yeah. When you 
when you operate from this place of both positivity and also truth and honesty, you're just filtering out people that fucking weren't for you in the first place. Like if you tell a girl like, Hey, here's the relationship I'm looking for. And they go, I'm not into that. You didn't lose anything. You just reduced the amount of time you were going to waste with someone that wasn't for you in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And so many people are afraid to, to express who they are. Like, especially in the dating world, I've noticed this personally where when they start to, especially when, you know, they find out I have a podcast and I'm in this personal development and I'm like, you know, Mr. Positive most of the time, you know, that's, you know, but that's pretty much what I am, you know, in real life. So um, it's, it's a weird thing because a lot of people aren't ready for that and it's a certain kind of person. So once they, I don't know what it is. Like, you know, I got so used to when I was a bartender, it was just, it was this almost like this rebel personality. Mm. And then when you, when you have more love and you, it's, it's like those kind of girls or men or whatever you're into yeah. kind of, kind of separate and you become, cause in my mind I'm thinking, Oh yeah, well that's the one I want, but that's not really the one I want for my soul. Then there's right. other ones that come. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Cause when you evolve the people that you want into your life will evolve or will those will be the ones. And that's the thing too, is like sometimes we think in our minds, we'll know that's the one because of like, you know, superficial looks and all that or mm -hmm. whatever it may be. But when you start to get honest and true, those ones kind of get pushed away. It's yeah. crazy. I've, I've noticed it. It's like, it's nuts. It could be a struggle at first. I, I found for a good while when I first really started this path of self-development that I was like, less people were interested in me. And I was like, oh, fuck, like I yeah. suck now. Like maybe this isn't the right thing. And what I, what I think it is, is you haven't yet achieved the level where you're really attracting the people you want to attract. But also there's sort of a, and I think especially at like bars, like there's sort of an unspoken agreement that's like, let's escape our reality together yeah. versus <laughs> let's make each other better. Yeah. So when you're in that zone of I'm trying to make myself better, it's a lot of pressure for the other person to feel like they have to live up to like, Oh, I can't use you to escape my emotions anymore. You're going to put some pressure on me to level up as well. And I don't want that. That sounds painful. So I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And that's all the dialogue, self dialogue that's <laughs> happening. And people aren't, people just aren't ready to, to process their emotions. They'd rather just, just hide, push it away. And I've really noticed that. And I've tested it, you know, I've gone on dating apps where, you know, I, 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 I don't, I hide what I'm doing and just kind of like, and then as soon as they find out more of the, the rabbit hole, it's like the perspective changes and I'm like, huh, interesting. Yeah. Cause I know what's going on in their mindset about how they look at things, what they value. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's a little bit against my ego because I, in my head, I'm like, I could have had her easily yeah, before, totally. but then I'm like, but do I want her? Cause that's not, right. that's, that's not even me. Yeah, that's just exactly. my ego being like, yeah, you, you know that you can get her. So then it's okay. And then when you I get her, conquer. You shit. like, <laughs> but it's like, it's all about the ego. And I'm like, I don't really care, but yet I want to know that I'm, I still got it. But then mm -hmm. at the same time, exactly. it's like, I don't want that person anyway. Why spend my time with somebody that I have seen no future with or no, yeah. at least some sort of like, valuable exchange of conversation or relationship or you know what i mean like 
So. I think similar in your story to my story is that we, we spent a lot of time constructing our ego mask around that critical component of who yeah. we were. And so it can be hard to let go of. I notice it in myself all the time. Where I'm like, well, if I'm not the best seducer in the world, who am I? Yeah. It's like, well, fuck, what a stupid game to play. <laughs> like, how, how is that going to work out for me when I'm 80? Yeah. Like, I can't still be playing that game at that point. So why am I playing it right now? Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's definitely a challenge, but changing and being true to yourself of who you are and your soul is so much more important. And I believe that I will attract the right person. My last relationship was interesting because she met me when I was in my bar stage Mm. and then I evolved and she helped me through a lot of things with my dad and everything. But then I evolved I was going to Tony Robbins. I was doing all these Mm -hmm. different things, Kundalini yoga retreats, doing all this shit energetically. And all of a sudden we were on different frequencies and we became roommates. We weren't having sex. We weren't hanging out. We were fighting. I was like, I'd go in and she'd be watching like crap on Netflix. And I'd be Mm -hmm. like, what the fuck are you Uh watching? Not dynasty. Like, why are you watching that? Like no judgment, but that's the way I, I was. And when somebody's in your play, you know, that's where you start to, I start to see like, don't you want to watch things that you can learn? And that was me being mm. judgmental. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I was trying to like make sense of it. And you can't push your beliefs onto somebody. They have to just, you know, whatever. And we just eventually just was like, uh, we just had to break up. Yeah. You know, like it was, you know, one day you're one way and then next you evolve and that's okay. Absolutely. That's okay. And if one's not willing to put in the work and one is, well, you got to be able to, if you're going to, if you're going to commit to doing the work, you have to be okay with relationships, um, dissolving. That's, that's the kind of, that's the thing. That's the commitment to yourself. It's like, yeah, don't, if you want to keep the relationships, don't grow. It's fine. Stay there. But if you want to commit, then you got to be okay with, huh, this doesn't really align with where I'm at now. So maybe they, right. And it's tough. Breakups fucking suck. And especially when you know they with other people and all that kind of shit. Uh-huh. But <laughs> not fun. No. But I, I used to just like beat myself up over how like here's a here's a thought process that used to run through my head. I used to go like, wow, Alex, you don't have any like long-term friends. You keep like discarding, and discarding's a mean word, but for lack of a better term, you keep discarding people you're around. And it took me until probably two years ago to kind of realize like, oh, that's because I kept growing and I needed to like level up the people I was around. Mm. And as I did that, I was beating myself up like, oh, well, you don't have like, I'd be like jealous. Like, oh, that person's had that friend since they were five years old. And I don't have any friends like that. And I was like, well, what the hell, man, that's, I guess I'm just not a good long lasting friend. I was like, no, (laughs) I'm on a path of aggressive growth. And because I'm so deeply committed to that aggressive growth, there's not going to be a lot of people who are willing to commit to that same path. So I keep coming up a level and then finding the next people who are within that path with me. Yeah. Same thing for relationships. I think it's, it's important to acknowledge that we all have different paths to walk and it's not like me and my girlfriend, we've been together four years now and it, the thing that she's always done is she's always been very, very committed to doing the work yeah, it's and to moving forward. And for a little while I was like caught up on like, well, she's not going at my pace. And it's like, well, yeah, cause her fucking path is different. Right. <laughs> like, 
what I want. Do I want to date a clone of me? Like, is that the goal? No, that'd be terrible. So it's like, if someone is committed to doing the work, I have a lot of time for them. Yeah. If someone's not, can't feel guilty about going, Hey, I invited you in, but if you're not willing to show up, it's nothing I can do. Yeah. And Aubrey talked about that in his, in his darkness podcast episode. That was mm. a really big one. I listened to on the airplane. I actually listened to you and Kavi on the airplane to, mm. Beautiful. to Loom as well. Okay. Those are two I listened to. And um, I really, it really struck me. And I, I almost had a tear. I think I did get a tear in my eye mm. when he was talking about Whitney and, and, and realizing that you got to love where they're at. Mm-hmm. You got to love where the person's at, not where they could be. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, why like these expectations or when they get there, I'll love them. It's like, no, no, you just have to, that's unconditional love is knowing exactly right now you love them where they are. And we always, and I've done that as well. As soon as he said that, I was like, fuck, it's exactly what I, you know, who, where, where could they be? As long as they're, they're doing that stuff. That's great. But it's like, well, do you love them right now or not? Mm -hmm. It's like, like you gotta be able to say that and you gotta be able to like love where they're at and, and embrace the exact spot on the journey. Yeah. Right. And, and a lot of it is, a lot of that is very challenging. And when he talked about that, it was like, oh man, a big realization for me because we always have these projected thoughts of where even ourselves, mm-hmm. oh, I'll love myself when I get to this and I'm, you know, you're imagining your life. It's like, well, yeah, that's a great person. It's yeah. like, well, no, you have to do that now. Mm-hmm. You have to be that. You have to accept it and love who you're at now because that's going to bring more of what you want. And right. Same with the person. Like you really appreciate them. Like, I really love what you do about this. I really appreciate it because you're here for a reason. And then that's going to allow them to want to grow more too. Yeah, exactly. You know, cause they're seen, they want to be seen and felt. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times, you know, that's the, the lack. And I learned that in my relationship is I probably didn't look at her and accept her, right. which made her rebel against what I was doing. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, well, like, here's how I try to frame it for myself. It's like, okay, would I do better with someone who loved me and encouraged me? Or would I do better with someone who maybe said they loved me, but was always like the taskmaster, like cracking the whip going, come on, do the next thing, do the next thing. It's like, well, I wouldn't do very well with that. I would immediately rebel against that. I'd be like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to do what you want me to do. And I would not do it. So it's like, why why do i think it'd be any different for someone that i care about like do i think that just trying to push them super hard is going to change anything no just love them unconditionally as you can hey i I think i was on a call with aubrey and i provided a a metaphor that seemed to hit home but the i look at my life as a party and it's a celebration and i'm inviting people into it constantly like hey lance do you want to come to my party yeah and if you don't want to come to my party. The party's still going on. Yeah. I'm not going to feel like shit because you don't want to come. Yeah. But I'd also be overjoyed if you do come. Yeah. It's okay. Metaphor. And I'm not going to keep the people that are in the party. This is the piece that Aubrey provided. I'm not going to keep the people that are in the party that are like shitting on the table. <laughs> like if you're the party pooper, get the fuck out of my party. Yeah. Because you're ruining it for all the other people that are in it. Yeah. So it's like to approach your life that way. Just because you say no to this party, I'm going to keep inviting you to parties. If you say no to 20 parties in a row, I'm going to go, Lance doesn't like parties. Yeah. Cool. I'll stop inviting him to them. Yeah. But it's that sort of mindset that's really helped me to like contextualize how I approach my relationships. 
Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, man, because, you know, everybody's at different parts and I can speak for myself as well. And like the resistance that I feel, you know, this has been interesting with fit for service because there's so many amazing humans and trying to navigate through the energies. And I found it hard to, you know, take, take the opportunity because I was fighting myself so much that I was like, the last thing I can do is, is get involved into these things unless I look after myself first. And, and those are the things sometimes, because I don't want to, I don't want to project anything that I know that I can control and fix first on myself. And I think Mm. that's, I like what you said, because sometimes where people are at won't be, you know, exactly the same, but as long as like they, they know that the party's still going on. Mm-hmm. And even myself, just speaking, because like there's been times where I'm like, fuck, I should have shown up more to these kind of things within the group. And, but I'm like, it's all right. You know, like I, you know, you gotta, you gotta process things and having so many different personalities and dynamics, it's really interesting. It's really a lesson in itself. And, and I feel that for me, there was so much resistance for some reason. And I think it was just a lack of like me really loving myself at the time. Um, because I don't want to be a burden on people and maybe that's a limited belief at the same time. But like, I feel like you got to process your shit, you know, you got to have that self-awareness and, you know, because I want to add value into people's lives. I don't want to like be like the person that's always like, like, like the downer, even Mm -hmm. though that's okay too, to share, but I I want to, you know, and if I'm feeling in that state, I'm like, I don't want that to be projected on people. And maybe that's a, Mm -hmm. that's a limited belief, you know, like, do you ever feel like that when you're like, you like, yeah, yeah. Like, how do you deal with that stuff? Yeah. So here's been the game, and this has happened this year. So first of all, to give yourself some credit, last year the first meetup in Fit for Service in Austin, everyone was totally like guarded and just like holding back because that's yeah. I think that's part of the nature of that experience. Like a hundred yeah. new people's a lot of people. Yeah. And a part of you feels pressure to be like something important. Yeah. Something that's changed for me just this year is watching, like, I think it was Eric, um, not the coach, but one of the people in the program who, like, had a super negative share in the chatter channel. Yeah. And just watching how, how positive the outcome of that was, I was like, oh, I don't have to only share when everything's going great. When I share when it's going negative, that's actually oftentimes more powerful because everyone's kind of having their own little experience of that and thinking exactly what you were thinking, which is like, I don't want to burden people. It's like, man, I don't know about you, but what I love most is when someone comes to me with a problem I can help them with, that feels amazing. So give other people the opportunity to be of service. Yeah. Is you also being of service? It's like, hey, here's a problem. Can anyone help me out? Or I'm feeling shit. (laughs) Cool. So true. Yeah. But I do still struggle with it all the time. I'll be in my own head just like fucking, I feel like shit right now. I'm sad. I'm angry. And like not reach out because I think it's sort of like a natural impulse to like turtle in and just kind of not reach out like we should. But the more I reach out, the better it is. Me too. And, And it's, I guess that's part of the journey itself too. Right. And yeah, that, that, that whole thing about, I remember Eric's comment and it was interesting. Um, and I think he's a very raw guy. He, he, he says what's on his mind and it does. Right. And you know, at the same time, it allows people to think and emotions were created. 
mm-hmm. people were on the defense, including myself, because, you know, I was in the house of the partying, right? Yeah. I was there and that's why I felt a bit of guilt. At the same time, I was like, well, you know what? I got video, everybody, videos of it. People were having a great time. So it's like, what's a, you know, what's the right experience? What's the wrong experience? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and I really enjoyed how the community kind of went through that. And, yeah. but I guess for me, I do better at stuff like this, like connecting. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to navigate through a massive conversation of chatter. Yeah. It's like, it's, I get anxiety. Like, it's just oh. I'm like, fuck. So for me, I, I, I need the, the connection and, you know, and everybody's got their thing. And that's the thing that I'm learning too. I'm accepting that for the thing, the acceptance mm-hmm. of the way everything is. Yep. <laughs> right. And knowing that just because it's like this one day, doesn't mean it's always going to be like this. And I, I think this whole group, the whole thing over the year will evolve into like whatever it's meant to, right? Certain relationships will be built. You know, you connect further with others and certain ones know, and that's what it's all about. It's not yeah. always this perfect sequence of events where everything's going to just, you know, because if it was all smooth, then we wouldn't learn anything. Right, exactly. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and good, yeah. good luck developing a hundred deep relationships at the drop of a dime. Like it's impossible. You won't do it. So yeah. to, to relieve the pressure of yourself, like, man, it's a lot better to form yeah. a few deep relationships where you really know each other than to have a hundred. This is what I did at the first meetup last year. I spent so much time. I got to know everyone's name and I found like, damn, I didn't really go deep with anyone. Shit. <laughs> Yeah. So the next summit came up and I was like, okay, I'm just going to focus on going deep with a couple of people. And it was just such a more rewarding experience because it removed the pressure from myself to be so much of my ego was wrapped up in like, well, I want to know everyone. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Why? Yeah. And that's crazy because like there was some that I wanted to connect with, but like, I honestly, it's hard because you don't recognize their faces in person and you're like, Oh shit, I should have spent more time because I meant to talk to them. Yep. And then it's like this little guilty feeling. And, and then, you know, you only got so much time and mm-hmm. it's just, you gotta just have no expectations. Exactly. Fuck it. Fuck it. I'm just going to go with the flow. Like there's just no expectations about anything because it's never exactly what you think. And if you do have these expectations, chances are you're going to be let down in some way or another. Absolutely. Like it's, it's, it was really interesting like that, you know? And, and uh, there was even people that messaged me like, Oh shit, we should have connected. I'm like, yeah, we should have like, but I, it's, it's hard when you got all these faces, you're like, which one, who's, who's that? Like, I don't really mm-hmm. remember. And, and it's usually the louder ones you you know, because they speak a lot. In video. Yeah. You're like, ah, there's, there's that person. Ones, I'm like, are they part of the group? But it's like, <laughs> they're just as valuable. They just don't speak as much. So I'm like kind of interested, right? Like, Hundred percent. There's a few people last year and even this year. I haven't been to a summit yet because we got we got Austin taken away from us. But oh yeah. well. But it's been a few people last year where like they're super super quiet. Once I got to know them, I was like, oh, you have like the most badass skill set in the entire fucking group. Like, yeah. where were you? Oh, you just don't. You're not an extrovert. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, getting to know those people is valuable too, and. I think in any conversation, the thing I try to practice is like presence because really anyone you talk to can be an endless source of interest and inspiration. Yeah. If you allow yourself to really be present with them and to really get curious and ask questions rather than like doing what I do all the time, which is I'm talking to this person and I'm looking, I'm scanning the room. Like who should I be talking to right now? Like, well, fuck, how am I making that person feel? But 
selfishly also like what am i missing out on that they may have to share with me yeah yeah man i totally agree that's why podcasting like this is so good because you 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 can really focus without the, the shit in the way like how often do you get to have like a conversation like this outside of outside of this sort of um dynamic like you rarely ever do it mm-hmm. and for me i've talked about this so many times it's like therapy for me yeah, I get to talk to these people and let's say like today, you know, we're, we're talking and I'm going to be chatting with Kaveh and then I'm talking with somebody else. It's like all day of high vibration. That's like, mm-hmm. what the fuck are you going to become? You're going to become this high vibration because that's all exactly. you're doing is talking. And there was times where like, I'll have nine interviews in a week and I'm just like all, I'm like programming myself to get into this state the majority of the time. So what happens? I become that state and mm-hmm. I become the high vibration without even trying that's why it's so important because like how often do you get to go out into public and just sit down and have meaningful conversations? Exactly. Like for, for like, look, we've been talking an hour and 40 minutes. Like mm. how, how fucking much do you get to do that other than this? Like never. Like it's like, it's such a rare thing, right? hundred percent. Like, Oh shit. I got to go, man. I got my phone. Oh yeah. Coffee. Yeah, Quick coffee. Um, I got to go. I go rarely like once in a while we'll catch up with a friend with, you know, long coffee, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it is. But like, I don't know, man. I just feel so blessed to be able to, because I'm all about, I have to see the person. I have to speak. It's all like, I, yeah. it's so important for me. And like, I just, I feel that those relationships are so much more powerful than developing them through like texting and stuff like that. Absolutely. Great way to kind of break the ice and have small chatter. But as far as like building real relationships, man, and it's even with this, it's not real, but it is, it's pretty real. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, when we see each other in person, we yeah. fucking have a frame of reference yeah. and we'll just like, oh, it's so good to see you versus like kind of it, yeah. it removes the feeling out process. Like, who's who is that guy? I wonder yeah. if he sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah. OK, he doesn't. Cool. <laughs> totally, man. Totally. Awesome. Well, we're getting close to the end here, so we should wrap up one question I like to ask people. Yeah. Well, two questions, but we'll start with the one is what's the thing you're working on right now that's the most exciting for you that really fucking just like lights a fire for you? You wake up in the morning and you're like vibrating with energy to work on it. I want to elevate the podcast game. I'm working on things that will allow people to be able to uh, maximize their experience with it, you know, through monetization, through distribution, Mm -hmm. you know, I've gone, I've doubled down on this with my own show and I want to be able to like, in my own business, you know, we, we provide the people the opportunity that are too busy to do it themselves, the full meal deal of podcasting and distribution and content. So I really have set out to not only stick with podcasting, that's going to be one thing, but evolve into this thing that is really going to help people expand their, their message, their brand through being authentic and, you know, through sharing their stories like podcasting. This is why I'm focusing right on this right now is that I feel a lot of people are missing the point as to what it can do for themselves and their Mm -hmm. business. And I want to expand on that. Whatever that turns into, I don't know. You know, my show, I'm continuing to try to level that up. And yeah, just working and and, and keeping these things with myself and trying to become the better human, you know, talking to people like yourself, learning about plant medicine trying to be a leader, not trying, being a leader mm-hmm. and, and showing up the way I know I can without yeah. being scared. Oh, so yeah. all of that in the big package, like 
we all have to have a business of some sort. So podcasting for me and, and helping people get that message out without having to have the burden of the work is what I'm really focused on. So, mm. um, yeah, man. And, and we'll see what happens this year. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity and I'm always open to that. I don't get too caught up in, 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 in things having to be exactly the way I think they should. And that's been, um, that's something that I recommend anybody to get comfortable with, yeah. be comfortable with the change of different things, zigging and zagging, you know? So yeah, man, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Oh yeah. I love it. It's exciting to me too. Like I can tell when someone's invested with some passion into it. I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's firing me up. And I don't even, I'm not even doing some of the stuff you're doing. Um, so I guess last question always, it's good to end with what's the best way for people to find you and the best way for people to communicate with you. Well, I used to say Instagram before my Instagram got hacked. Yeah, That's all right. That was a, that was a sign that, Hey, maybe I was relying too much on it. Mm -hmm. I would say, first of all, check out, my podcast university of adversity, which you're going to be on. And yeah, there's, you know, we have almost 200 episodes. I really encourage people if you want to get to know me and, and where I am, check that out. Also follow me on social media. Um, Lance Ecos. I mean, it sums Lance W Ecos, Lance Ecos, but my name's not that common. So it's super easy to find me yeah. as far as websites and stuff. We're on the works of doing some different things right now. So, I would just say, check out the podcast. It's everywhere. University of adversity and social media is super simple. Beautiful. Well, awesome. Lance, thank you for being on. One thing I'd like to do right at the end is just acknowledge you for a second and just say, thank you for being you. Thank you for being a person who I think shares their story without any reservation about sharing their story. I really do think both through your podcast and just through conversations like this, you are you're placing torches along the path for other people to be able to see the fucking path as they go on their own journey. So thank you for doing that. And yeah. Dude, thank you for being on. I appreciate this so much, man. I love, I love your show. I love the container that you have, your energy, and you'll, you'll change a lot of lives with this, man. So thank you. Okay. Thanks, brother. All right. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I certainly found it super intriguing how much of Lance's story really mirrored my own in a lot of ways with the struggles with alcohol all the way through just finally going all right fuck this I need to do better if I want to reach my potential if you did enjoy this episode again share it out on Instagram is a great way to help put the show out for other people to get in contact with it and tag me and tag Lance on Instagram as well so we can see you and reshare it and of course leaving reviews on iTunes and giving five-star ratings is one of the best ways to get the show out there move it up the charts and help more people see it so I hope you enjoyed this one and last thing if you haven't yet visited my new website through the veil.co please go visit it. I have a bunch of free resources on there and I also have some paid resources. So you can go and get a free 30 minute guided meditation on there if that's something you're interested in. And there's also some articles and some other cool resources. And then I also have some paid coaching programs and some paid, uh, paid guided courses. So if that's your jam, go find that at throughtheveil.co. Much love everyone and I will see you next week.